who are also movie fans, talk about the movie adaptations, the books of Stephen King, hence the name. My name is Jeffrey X. Martin, and I am the author of Black Friday, short stories about you. My co-hosts for this endeavor are the author of the Subdued Trilogy, Thomas Flowers, and the author of Salvage, and Gristle and Bone, and the upcoming Every Part of the Animal, Mr. Duncan Ralston. Buongiorno. To see you. <laughs> bon Jovi. Uh, Hello. On this episode of Screen Kings, we climb into our Ford Pinto with the bad alternator and head out to Joe Camber's farm so we can dehydrate ourselves while we hide from the big bad doggy, Cujo. Back after this. Looking for something different in your podcast library? Then why not check out the podcast under the stairs? I'm the host Duncan McLeish and joining me each week will be a special guest as we examine some classic old school horror favourites as well as some modern classics. That's not to say that we don't tackle some of the, let's say, more questionable entries into the horror genre. And if all that wasn't enough, we have a subset of shows called Baz V Horror where our horror novice, The Baz, tackles horror in all shapes and forms to see who will come out victorious. So what are you waiting for? The show can be found at podcastunderthestairs.wordpress.com and on Stitcher and iTunes. The Podcast Under The Stairs is a proud member of Legion Podcast Network. This is Duncan McLeish from Under The Stairs, signing off. in the imagination is more frightening than the terror that lives in Castle Rock, Maine. Cujo. 
Welcome back to Screen Kings. All right, Cujo, 1983, directed by Louis Teague. That's a name you'll hear again on this show reasonably soon. Um, he also directed Alligator from 1980 and the Romancing the Stone sequel, The Jewel of the Nile. <laughs> nice. Uh, his first Stephen King adaptation, Cujo, holds a solid 6.0 on the IMDb. And here's the synopsis from the same site. Oh, I love these. A friendly St. Bernard named Cujo contracts rabies and conducts a reign of terror on a small American town. Conducts. <laughs> what? That's a bit much, isn't it? I mean, it's like two houses. Yeah, and it's like it's one dog. It's not <laughs> like he's got a bunch of other dogs going, conducting a reign of terror. That's right. He's raised an army of Cujo youth <laughs> tearing through Castle Rock. Uh, there's a lot of the book in this movie. There's a lot of King here, um, especially at the beginning. They really try to fit in a lot from the book. I Maybe to a fault, you know, because it feels like this movie kind of takes forever to get going. I, I appreciate that mm. in some ways because there's like 10 minutes where they they move the story along very well with no dialogue. And that's fun to watch. But then after that, once we're actually introduced to the family, it's just like, oh, we just shoved the brakes onto this sucker. And now nothing's happening. What, what do you am, am I right? Or what do you guys think about the pacing of the first part of the film? I totally disagree. OK, <laughs> Talk uh, it to feels me. soap opera ish, but. The characters are really well drawn. It's really well scripted. Like there's certain moments that, uh, what am I thinking of? There's a part where it kind of uh, the camera draws in on the family at the dinner table, and the kid caught in the middle, and they're just not talking and things like that. Little moments like that, and it works really well as a family drama. Maybe not as a horror. Well, I guess that's kind of what I'm getting at. I mean, you're not you're not really at the danger. You're at all the yeah. uh, all the interior stuff, which again, King loves his interior monologues and little family scenes. But I don't know. I guess I was expecting different pacing for a film. But what I, I expected that. isn't what I got. So there you go. It's not my damn movie. <laughs> 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 what do you think, Tommy? Do you agree with Duncan or do you agree with me? You're in the middle. Yeah, I'm probably in the middle. I'm good moderate. You know, the whimsical uh, opening overture was uh, <laughs> quite majestic. Oh watching God, the, that Grizzly uh, Adams music. Ah! <laughs> uh, but yeah, but but Duncan's right. It's like it's a great character uh, study. You know, not necessarily um, horror. You know, but there's like great cheeky moments. You know, with like the serial professor. Uh, nothing wrong here, and then you know, and that's supposed to be uh, in innuendo that the wife is having an affair, you know, but they're at the table and no one's really saying anything, and it's just just great subtle moments at the very first half of the movie. Mm-hmm. And yet the kid makes a Jaws reference. He's what five? <laughs> the hell's letting their five-year-old watch Jaws? Um, I don't know. I I agree to an extent. I like all the actors in this movie fairly well. I like D. Wallace Stone a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. I just don't think, I think part of my problem is they seem less authentic when you put them up against the supporting characters. It's like, they're obviously LA transplants into the, the backwoods of Maine. Yeah. Where you've got Ed Lauder 
<laughs> Don't need that engine hoist. You know, yeah, just being... their house is freaking huge. Yeah. <laughs> like surprisingly, where... like a mansion. Yeah. And where is he commuting to? That, Or is he working from home? I don't really understand that. It looked like they had like an office. I mean, the book has it where they have they're originally from New York, their advertisement company from New York, and then they come down to Maine to start their own advertising business. Right. So it looks like they have their own little office there in Maine and Castle Rock or whatever. That's weird because he okay. obviously has a boss in the movie. Well, yeah, the boss I think big... is the representative. Like he has a partner named Roger, and their oh. partners in the firm. And their boss is really just her client. So the uh, people who's okay. the people yelling at him on the phone when that when the kids I guess vomiting up blood because they're eating sharp cereal are the <laughs> owners of sharp cereal, you know. So and because everyone's making fun of the whole nothing's wrong here, and you know it's just a good tabloid snippet, you know. Why would you name your company Sharp Cereal? Yes. <laughs> yeah, that really, especially with the red food color, right. <laughs> you're asking for it. It literally is sharp. Oh, you have made poor re- <laughs> uh, research, marketing research choices. Um, okay. The podcaster. Come on. Um, I do think it's weird. Just on this is probably just me that in the movie D. Wallace Stone is cheating on her husband with the guy who in real life was her husband. Yeah. That was kind of meta for me. Um, I don't know. I like him, though. I like him in everything I, that he was in, even you know The Howling, which is not my favorite flick. So once they get into the Pinto and, and the dog starts attacking, and I'm probably skipping over a lot, and if y'all want to jump back, that's totally cool. We'll um, go back and forth. So much. Yeah. Much. <laughs> <laughs> so this is... <laughs> This is good problem. This is, I know it's a stupid question. I'm asking it anyway because it popped up. While I was watching it. When 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 Tatter, uh, Tad, when Tad got to piss outside, you know he was peeing outside the car, and Cujo was like just watching him. Wouldn't 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 that have acted as a territory marker? I don't I mean, think dogs and humans act that way towards each other. They don't? I could be wrong. I've pissed in front I, of my dog. I've been doing it wrong my care. entire life, if that's the case. <laughs> <laughs> Mine. <laughs> Do you kick when you're done, too? <laughs> um, it depends on if it was a really good piss. <laughs> oh, yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, that was good. <sighs> I have accomplished something. Um, <laughs> all right. So, all right. So what I know about animal science is nothing. Uh, <laughs> Check mark. Yeah. Failures. Note to self. Animal husbandry. <laughs> hey, uh. All right. Boy, the makeup on that dog, huh? Holy crap. Poor Holy thing. crap. That's terrifying. <laughs> they wouldn't be able to do that these days, I don't think. It looks like they just smeared mustard on his eyes and <laughs> sprayed kind of oil mayonnaise. <laughs> <laughs> just sprayed him down with some kind of probably toxic red fluid. Probably the same stuff from Sharp <laughs> Cereals. <laughs> Nothing wrong here. Um, my friend Gary Hill. I don't know if you guys 
you should know Gary if you don't. Gary from Cinema Beef Podcast has this great theory that Cujo is actually a messenger from God. What? <laughs> and that the ordeal that they go through is D. Wallace's character's punishment for having an affair. What, Jesus? <laughs> now wait, because we've talked about King using the hand of God before as an actual viable plot point. So. Literally once. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. What do you think about that? Well, I've also heard that it's a metaphor for alcoholism or something, but I don't get either of those out of the actual uh, text or movie. Yeah. Maybe Cujo's a metaphor for something that poisons a relationship that, like adultery or addiction or money troubles and becomes a monster and kind of ruins families and whatnot. I don't know. Huh. Okay. Yeah, there's... Uh, it's it's kind of hard to... It seems like there's a lot of different imagery going on. You know, there's at the end, you know the very beginning, you're wondering, you know, there's the closet or there's the limestone cave, and then there's the rabies bats. You know, you're trying to figure out what's the evil here. You know, and um, mindless evil. What's up? Mindless evil. Yeah, mindless evil. Uh, I think I don't know. It was like he was trying to hit a lot on identity and roles. Uh, there was like a scene that I thought was kind of interesting and weird uh, when they're first arriving to the little farmhouse with the dog and, and everything's still kosher. And she's uh, the mother of D. Wallace is walking up to the tree where the other mother is. And she kind of looks at her like sympathetically, you know, like I don't want to mm. be her. You know, I don't want to get trapped into this role of, you know, being a stay at home mom or whatever. Yeah, that sounds pretty accurate. Yeah, but she was a stay-at-home mom who had just won five thousand bucks in the lottery. Yeah, <laughs> but then, yeah, then she yeah she kind of plays it kind of smart, and then she tricks her husband. Like, I got a gift, I got a gift for you, so do something for me and let me go- take our son and go to my sister's in, in a out of state. You know, I'll never yeah. do that. <laughs> and I'll yeah, because yeah. we see her packet the, the 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 photo family album or whatever, and she's kind of trying to keep it kind of secret. And her son barges in; you can see that. I thought that was just a little subtle hints, you know, roles and relationships. We're mm. going to tell them that we're off to get a pack of smokes yeah. <laughs> and we'll never come back. <laughs> There's so many little subtle things in the movie like that. Like right at the beginning, you can tell Chuck Norris is, uh, is fucking Donna in that, the first scene they have together. Yeah, right when he walks in, she tenses up and, it, and the camera. That's, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. We're talking. Well, that's that's all I had. Oh yeah, you just see her tense up, and then and the camera prolongs on her. You know, it yeah, stays. You don't, even, you don't even see her face. You just her yeah. body language completely changes. Yeah, it's subtle, but and you you don't get that kind of subtlety in a lot of modern films today. They're just gonna yeah. slap you with it. They're having an affair. You know, and they cut <laughs> to them. You know the bed springs or whatever, and here it's nice and subtle, and you're you know you're quick enough. Yeah. You Show saxophone music suddenly on the soundtrack. <laughs> Kenny G is a plane somewhere. Come oh, on, God. maybe it's uh, you know Clinton on the saxophone. Oh, <laughs> oh my! This was still during the Reagan years, I believe. <laughs> um, all right. Maybe I'm, it's a metaphor I'm, for the Reagan years. <laughs> 
It's a metaphor for everything. No. (laughs) Cujo is everything bad. Um, (laughs) All right. Let's 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 jump. Let's talk about that ending. uh, um, mm, Because it's so different than the ending in the book. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I was going to mention that as well. Because. Ah, shit. How old is... Yeah, we're spoiling it. Jesus, it's over 40 years old at this point. Um, yeah, Do and, it. At the end of the book, Tad, the little boy, dies. Dehydration. Yes. And she gets rabies, doesn't she? Yep. Yep. Like she goes kind of crazy, too. Yeah, she's growling at the paramedics in the book. Shit. Yeah, King always said that, like, Pet Cemetery was his bleakest and non-Bachman ending, but Cujo's pretty fucking bleak. Yeah, yeah. No, wait, does rabies actually make you growl at parents? <laughs> <laughs> does it depend which animal it. you catch it from? <laughs> <laughs> a rabbit cat. She was meowing at the paramedics yeah. when they took her away. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> so, yeah, which ending do you think works better, living Tad or dead Tad? Or living dead Tad. Living Tad. <laughs> living Tad. She deserves a, a happy ending. There's movies where they don't deserve it, where they don't really work for the happy ending. But I think, you know, she went through a huge ordeal, and the kid survived, and you know, and she was repentant to her husband and was and told him that she didn't want to have an affair anymore, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I think she deserved a happy ending. Think so? Okay. Yeah. What do you think? Tom? It worked for me. No. <laughs> Let the kid die on the altar of horrible movies. No. Uh, the movie. I don't know. The the movie just was like bang, bang, bang. You know, it's and it's done. Like she finally kills the dog, rushes into the house, splashes water on him, breathes, does the worst CPR imaginable. That seemed like she was trying to kill him while watching it, if not for the whimsical music. And, you know, he wakes up, he's alive. Oh, big surprise, here comes Cujo. He's not dead yet, you know. Uh, and then the camp gun, and then the father arrives, and then that's pretty much it. I thought, yeah, I like tragic endings. I like tragedy, you know, especially in stories. And um, I like the book ending. Yeah. I, mm, huh. I think that you both make good points, but I think so too. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. I I kind of tend to go with the book ending, and it's weird too yeah. because you don't. There was a time when you could not kill a kid in horror. <laughs> you know that was just taboo. It's still around. You still can't kill kids or animals in horror movies. Um, for feeding the dog in this movie, they had to show it from the dog's point of view. Literally. <laughs> That's true. That's true. But when you think about the movies where the kid, I don't know, if you think about a movie where the kid does die, the first one that pops up is fucking Pet Cemetery. Yeah. So it always, it always <laughs> struck me that King was like that taboo breaker. You yeah. know, the one who was just there. like, yep, we're going to kill that kid. Bye. <laughs> it's amazing Danny lived through The Shining. Yeah. Either version. So I think he was like, mm, nah, I gotta knock at least one off. 
that's what horror is about though breaking taboos yeah exactly cross those lines I'm not sure this. I don't. I'm not sure the move. I'm, and I'm. I'm separating the movie itself. I don't think is strong enough to support that kind of ending. I think they needed the kid to live in this movie because sure. the rest of it doesn't build up and enough to support that dead kid ending. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think they could do it today if they made that movie. Even after The Mist. Yeah, The Mist was pretty bleak. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, that oh, boy, I can't so wait much. till we hit that one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, I don't know. I think, he, I think he could do it. I think... Yeah, I think I think you could do it nowadays. I think society could handle that. They'd be like, "Oh well, shit! Look at all that kid went through. My kid can't eat peanuts, of course." <laughs> <laughs> Being trapped in a shitty car for three days with no water, yeah, he's probably gonna die. Yeah, especially since he already seized up like once. He looked like a freaking skeleton already. Yeah, he did. He's <laughs> like a skeleton with potato chips on it. <laughs> He's not, not a bad actor. I was surprised. I totally remember it being him being really fucking intolerable. No, he was. I used really to call good. it the screaming. <laughs> no, I thought he was really good. He seemed he was really believable. I guess he was. I think he was far less believable in Who's the Boss than he was in this. <laughs> yeah. Of course, I don't know. Didn't have a giant dog leaping at him and who's the boss <laughs> motivation <yeah. laughs> do you guys know i haven't looked this up do you know were, were there any animatronics used in this movie like fake dog or was this all just a real dog it looked all real to me it I looked all real to me too that's why i was curious yeah special effects are great in this movie yeah and cheap god think of the overhead you know <laughs> just put some more condiments on the dog and <laughs> Hey, more mayonnaise. Milk bone go. up here. Jump on top of the cock. Good boy. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it just seems horrifying. <laughs> so, I don't yeah, know. The, the, the dog is an actor, you know, and that was he's a pretty good dog. You know, you can see his eyes where he's, he's getting annoyed. You can see that in his in his look or whatever. I know the book. It has his thoughts or his perspective. Yeah, yeah. which I thought was kind of. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. I like, especially at the beginning where he's playing with a kid and someone else is looking at the dog and they can tell from his eyes that he's happy or whatever. So they don't really play that up too much in the, in the movie. No, they, they do they a do little with too. That, they do with the damn music. <laughs> the Homeward Bound the at the beginning. Yes. <sighs> Chasing the rabbit through the friggin' mossy glen. La, 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 <laughs> piano and violin. Just, <laughs> Ugh, so strange the music. I don't understand. That's that may be the weirdest part of the movie to me is the music because none of it seems to fit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but, in the beginning they have the they have the ominous music and then it cuts directly when you, the dog is facing to the yeah the whimsical stuff. It's kind of it kind of are, how the movie is really. It's whimsical and then it goes dark. And then yeah, there are scenes. Yeah, yeah, and. and the dark scenes are really good too. Like when he's uh, killing the uh, the prolonged moment where he's killing the neighbor, the drunk neighbor, or whatever. That's like a really long, prolonged moment. And then 
where uh, the father or whatever comes looking for his friend. And then there's – that score there was actually added to the suspense. It was pretty good. Kind of jazzy in parts. Yeah. yeah. Not jazzy, jazzy. It had me <laughs> thinking, though, like what if certain music producers that are pretty famous in horror by Carpenter had written a score for the damn movie or <laughs> – that would have been odd. <laughs> that would have been pretty weird. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> no, could couldn't hurt. <laughs> that may be my favorite scene too that you brought up is when the drunk dude was killed by Cujo. Because I just don't know how smart it is to get into the face of a rabid dog and start yelling, "I don't give a shit! <laughs> I don't give a shit!" Why okay. did he even bother taking the trash out? <laughs> so, like watching the seat, I'm like, and before then, when they were talking about going to Boston and going to the combat zone or whatever in Boston, and he's just like slamming stuff into the trash can. I'm just like, why is this so loud? I'm guess it's supposed to put you in the mind of Cujo. I'm assuming that noises are starting to irritate him and bother him, you know. Yeah. Totally. But they are so damn loud. Yeah, because he kept whimpering with every noise and. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought the fog scene was pretty good too. Uh, when the Brett kid or whatever is going up to look for Cujo, and he just kind of peers out of the mist, and he is looking not good. Yeah, he's looking grungy. Yeah, little little milky there. <laughs> <clears throat> I had looked up what fog was supposed to represent in storytelling. Oh. I didn't really jot the notes down, so I just brought that up for no reason. Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Uncertainty, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Cloudiness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A chance of meatballs. Gotcha. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> they could have just seen uh, Salem's Lot and just taken the scene directly out of that. There. Oh, yeah. That would have been good. There's some vampires in there. Right. <laughs> presents dead lepers looking for gold. Yes. <laughs> You know, even though King doesn't really remember writing this, for obvious mm-hmm. reasons, um, cocaine's a hell of a drug. Because he is Cujo. <laughs> he is Cujo. I thought it was kind of, for the error, it's kind of, you know, when you're a monster writer and you're being, you're building a reputation for people knowing that you're a monster creator, you know, Cujo's kind of, kind of ballsy, right? You know, uh, yeah. he's got vampires, you know, he's got uh, telekinesis women that go crazy. Uh, and then they got a ho- hotel full of ghosts, you know, and then they got a dog, the most ordinary <laughs> banal thing you can think of, and rabies. And then he got to kind of build it up from there. I thought it was kind of impressive. Yeah, I'm gonna. Yeah, and it. like on a literary level, it's there's no chapters or anything. It's just writing, 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 yeah. like stream of consciousness. So it kind of makes you wonder, and I think they even mentioned in the book that you know there's there's no. Werewolves or vampires or unthinkable horrors, you know, this is a story about a dog mm-hmm. who got rabies. There's no such thing as monsters. Yeah. <laughs> Except the one in my closet. <laughs> hey, that's kind of funny that uh, didn't, isn't Danny, didn't Danny Pinjuaro, isn't he gay now? So he had the monster in his closet or he, what, he was in the closet? I don't know. <laughs> is that a thing? <laughs> Cujo was in the closet. <laughs> Cujo yeah. is everything. <laughs> oh wow! I can build a cult on this. This is amazing. <laughs> cult of Cujo. 
<laughs> Wouldn't it have been funny if the father's Jaguar stalled out on the way to Cambridge house at the end and it just freeze frames <laughs> shouting, fuck up in the chat. That would have been awesome. Both <laughs> <laughs> of my fucking cars. Why is he driving a Jaguar and they're driving a damn Pinto? Pinto. Because that's what the little woman gets <laughs> in 1985. <laughs> Worst or fucking car. 83, whatever this is. 83, 85. 83. <laughs> they look like a gremlin with his old cars. Yeah, oh, they're that... pretty much the same. Right, yeah, that was a straight-up Pinto, man. Nice. Yeah. I'm surprised their alternator lasts as long as it did. <laughs> surprised the Pinto lasted as long as it did. Those things had defective fuel tanks. They would explode in a heartbeat. Ooh. Well, that would have been a quicker ending. <laughs> maybe, maybe a better one, yes. Yeah. I will say, though, out of all of King's movies to books adaptations that we reviewed so far here on Screen Kings. Um, Cujo <laughs> is probably the most faithful to the book so far. Besides the ending, obviously they changed the very end so that people don't commit suicide after watching the film. <laughs> but for, for the most part, like even up to the kid Brett hitting the baseball against the barn, like everything's pretty lined up. Yeah, it is. To the book, like almost verbatim. Which is kind of unique, and it made itself its own movie at the same time. Of course, the ending, I, you know, we have our own opinions on it, <clears throat> but pretty faithful adaptation. I think so, and I think the way the King wrote the book lends itself to a screenplay better than his previous ones. I bet he wrote this in like 10 minutes. Oh, dude, <laughs> just, a, just a giant cocaine-fueled rage. <laughs> just, Tabby, bring me coffee! And just... An eight ball over the skin. So know. many lines. <laughs> it's like, oh. I'm done. Give this to my agent. I'm going bowling for five days. <laughs> nice. Right. Let's go on a scale of, we're doing one to, we're doing one to, I can't fucking remember. Doing one to five, one to ten, one to One to five. Three. We do one to five, yeah. Let's do one to five. How many rabid bats do you give Cujo, yes. Duncan? <laughs> Uh, I knew you were going to say that. Um, I'd <laughs> say, <laughs> I'd say four. I'd put it up in, 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 as high as some of the better ones. Not as high as, well, I'm not going to get into it. I don't want to spoil it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But what do you say, Tommy? Three rabid bats. Three. Three. Yeah. I mean, the film was really good, but I think they should have kept the original ending. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, because it's a character study, it's great. There's hints. There's subtle cheekiness with the, oh nope, nothing wrong here, but everything's wrong because they're not talking at the table. She's having an affair. There's monsters in the closet. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go three rabbit bats also. Um, also because I think the original ending would have worked better. Oh, you guys are entitled to your opinion. You even. <laughs> I have more. I have more to back up my three. Okay. Damn it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think I I do think there's weird pacing in this. Like, I think it was mm. Tommy that said it's just bang, bang, bang. You know, yeah, family. Yeah. It's like it's like family dog family, and <laughs> and it takes about I don't know a good half hour, forty minutes to really get to where the dog and the family interact, and that just seems 
screen time. That just seems really long to me. So it only feels like you get about 20 minutes of actual dog, and then the rest of it's just, you know, they didn't want climax. Yes, yeah, so. it literally was. Almost an hour of the family stuff before the dog stuff, the bad dog stuff came in. Yeah, I guess I wanted I wanted more bad dog stuff. <laughs> so anyway, the whole almost the whole book is the bad dog stuff, isn't it? It At sure least feels like it. it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think the book played up the Trittons compared to the Cambers a little bit more. Mm. The upper middle class to the lower class. Yeah, but you can same... get more into her head and stuff like that in a book than you can yeah. in, the, yeah. in a movie. No. No. Yeah, it seems like she had a lot of flashbacky time while sitting in the car, you know, watching her son turn into a, a raisin. Yeah, but that ending in the book, man, it's just tragic, you know? Like, yeah, it's horrible. She, she believes Tad is alive, like, he's fine, you know? And then the father's like, how long has he been dead? Like, dead? What What the fuck are you talking about, dead? You know? Right. Like, And then she goes, you know, she turns into Cujo, and foaming at the mouth and, and meowing at the ambulance drivers, you know? <laughs> Yeah, it's that's it's 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 a harsh ending in the book. It really is. It's very similar to uh, Pet Cemetery too. Yeah, yeah. goes first, then the wife goes. Oh God! And now, yeah, that just ends right there. I think in Cujo they try to do like a wrap up chapter where how yeah. are the families doing and everyone's doing peachy keen and so it's a little less. You know, if we were going to go off the book adaptation and. Then uh, Salem or uh, Pet Cemetery just ends right there, you know, like his wife comes in and it smells grave or whatever. So it just and then it just ends. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that there's yeah that wrap up chapter in Cujo just never worked for me. The same way it didn't work for me in The Shining. Oh, we're all fishing! Hooray! Yeah. <laughs> we all live with Dick now. What? No, you don't. <laughs> That's... I wonder if he wrote that because he wanted to or because his publisher was like, this book, King, Stevie Boy, it's great, but you're going <laughs> to kill people. Can you write a little bit of sunshine, booby, huh, right there at the yeah, end? Exactly. <laughs> How much will it get me? Ten grand for a little paragraph. Oh, Ten grand. Sold. Give me 20 minutes. I'll do it in 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that man never listens to this show. <laughs> I don't think you have to worry about that. Yeah. That's true. Of course, yeah. Like he said, he doesn't remember writing it, so we could be reenacting actual parts of his life. That's true. <laughs> he has no idea. <laughs> and what can I say? There's a lot of my life that's like that, too. I don't know. Fuck. Oh. <laughs> I don't remember any of that. If you say it happened, I guess. All right. Um, as we've said before on all the other episodes, uh, all three of us do write books, and you can find all of us on Amazon selling those books and perhaps our souls. Um, if you have read any of our books, please, for the love of God, leave us a review on Amazon because uh, it really makes a difference. Just take five minutes. Hey, this was a great book. Or, hey, your book was a piece of shit. Whatever. It <laughs> matters. Just write reviews for us. And if you haven't bought our books yet, um, start. Now. Now. We'll wait. <clears throat> yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I'll be here. <laughs> right here waiting. <laughs> Anyway, that's going to do it for this episode of Screen Kings. Join us next week as we choose not to shake hands while we talk about David Cronenberg's The Dead Zone from 1983.
That's going to do it for us. <laughs> that noise. What the shit was that? Woo. <laughs> Alright, we'll see you guys next time. Thanks for listening. Bye. Later. <laughs> 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 <laughs>